Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dommel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. With a new growing season just beginning, Texas Panhandle sorghum farmers have some new options for fighting weeds. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Pastures have greened up considerably in the coastal bend after late springtime rain. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers who have older diesel equipment can now voluntarily take them offline in exchange for up to 80% off the price of a new machine. It's all part of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality's Texas Emissions Reduction Plan, or TERP. Mike Wilson, TCEQ's Deputy Director of Air Grants, says there are 11 different programs within TERP that each have their own focus and eligibility requirements. It's a program that provides grants to replace older vehicles and older equipment. The vehicles and equipment that could be eligible for replacement, especially in some of our most uh, successful programs, it includes vehicles with a gross vehicle weight rating or GVWR of at least 8,500 pounds, and that's powered by a heavy-duty engine. But it's also important to remember it includes equipment that's powered by an engine rated at 25 horsepower or greater. And that's where you get into one of the keys. It includes your heavy-duty haul trucks, dump trucks, especially agricultural equipment. So you're looking at uh, potentially tractors, combines, other types of ag equipment, uh, as well as construction equipment and, and some other categories that we have. Now, you can't just buy an old tractor or truck and turp it right away. Wilson says vehicle owners must have owned and operated the vehicle or piece of equipment for the past two years. That vehicle or equipment that's going to be replaced, it does have to be in good operating condition and it has to be used in their daily operations, whatever that applicant does on a daily basis, it's got to be used in that. Some TERP grants are competitive, others are first come, first serve. The grant amount or reimbursement amount may vary by situation. Wilson encourages interested Texans to check out the available opportunities at terpgrants.org. That is T-E-R-P grants.org. New technology could help farmers in Texas who are interested in growing grain sorghum. James Hunt joins us from Amarillo. As is pretty much true throughout our area, sorghum acres are expected to increase in Randall County, according to Extension Agent J.D. Ragland. And with the new season beginning, Ragland is enthusiastic about new weed control technology that's been made available by Advanta Seed Company. It's much like Roundup Ready Cotton. It is a herbicide type technology, but there is specific that you must plant that has tolerance to the herbicide that will allow you to give herbicide applications in your sorghum fields both pre-emergence and at post-emergence as well. And so we've never had that opportunity before in the history of sorghum production. 
This new herbicide defense can be used to address both broadleaf and grassy weed concerns, and Raglan says his office will be conducting result demonstration tests on the technology and ultimately present their findings at the annual Randall County Crops Tour on August 31st. Meanwhile, in other extension news, there's a new agronomy agent serving the counties of Castro, Hale, and Lamb. Prior to joining AgriLife, Lena Garrison gained experience working with an independent crop consultant in Plainview, and she's looking forward to continuing to serve local farmers. I really hope if a farmer has a question about pest management or not sure on certain weeds, maybe problems in different stages that I can be able to go out to their fields, walk through it with them, and be able to guide them to make some changes and continue on with their crop. A native of Pueblo, Colorado, Lena Garrison attended West Texas A&M University for both her bachelor's and her master's degrees in plant, soil, and environmental science. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Calls for more transparency in the marketing of beef cattle are growing. Last month, member representatives of several agricultural organizations, including the American Farm Bureau Federation, met in Arizona to discuss challenges involved in the marketing of finished cattle, like packer capacity, concentration, oversight, and price transparency and discovery. The group's ultimate goal was to bring about a more financially sustainable situation for cattle feeders and cow-calf producers. Since that meeting, more and more members of Congress have come forward asking the U.S. Department of Agriculture and or the Department of Justice for more information on their investigations into whether there was any action taken by the big four packers that could have led to higher margins for them at a time when prices cattle producers received were much lower. This week, Senator John Bozeman, ranking member of the Senate Committee on Agriculture, said they're working to hold a hearing on cattle pricing as soon as possible. At least 16 members of Congress have written to the DOJ asking for an update on their investigation, which has now passed the one-year mark. USDA released a report on its investigation in July of 2020. Scott Bennett, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, says it is important to note that is not USDA's final report. What that report also included, I think, which is important to realize, were some action items that the previous administration deemed could solve or at least address some of the issues that our industry faces today. Here's the thing, too. Will we ever get like to 100 percent final end of an investigation? I'm not really sure about that because I think we'll get close to investigating a certain event, be it Holcomb or COVID, and another event will happen. So I think the the investigations will kind of always be ongoing, but I hope that we get an update of what those investigations look like at this point from the Department of Justice and from USDA. We don't necessarily know what the results of the investigation are going to be. We just want to know what the results are. And um, that will give peace of mind to producers as to why and what happened over the fall of 2019 and all of 2020. While the ag organizations like AFBF are calling for more transparency in the cattle markets and the results of investigations into the spread between the amount packers receive and what producers receive, Bennett said it is important to remember that packers are a necessary part of the system. The Department of Justice has not yet said when it will release the results of its investigation. Recent rains have helped improve pastures in the coastal bend. Tom Nicoletti and Harvey Buring join us with more. 
We go now to the Coastal Bend, and Harvey Buring joins us to report on the crop and livestock situation uh, in that uh, region of the state after an abundance of rain uh, in uh, the uh, latter part of May. And Harvey, uh, about how much rain had uh, fallen uh, in various regions there? Well, uh, it's rains anywhere from uh, 6 to 12, 13 inches around the area, and it has certainly greened up the countryside. Uh, except for those uh, poorly drained cotton fields, which are yellow now because of too much rain. But thanks, uh, you know, to a break in the action here uh, in uh, the last uh, previous few few days, we've had some cotton showing some real good growth in those fields that uh, have dried out a bit and particularly those that were well-drained. What about flooding issues, especially in the rural parts of uh, the region? Well, you know, we were so dry uh, prior to the start of rain in May. Most locations were 10 to 12 inches below normal. So that first uh, series of rains was absorbed quite easily by the dry soil and uh, we didn't have a lot of flooding until the uh, third week in May when we had some heavier rains. Uh, Some locations got between three and a half and five and a half during that particular spell and uh, that ran a good bit of water to the creeks but no serious flooding of the roadway. It's nothing to hamper travel. It's certainly been a boost to the hay meadows and uh, the uh, pastures that were so desperately in need of moisture. So the grazing situation for cattle, uh, uh, livestock, uh, pretty good right now? Yes, much improved. The added moisture uh, lets you see uh, some weeds that you didn't think you had and uh, also Stockmen are battling uh, horn flies right now. A lot of heavy outbreaks of horn flies in the cattle herd. Back to the crop situation, Harvey. What about the grain sorghum after all that rain? How is it faring? It has really responded very well. And some of those fields that were rather stressed and short that you didn't think would make uh, 1,200 pounds now have an opportunity to double or uh, maybe surpass 2,500 pounds of uh, production, some 3,000 pounds. The better fields uh, that were to the eastern part of New Aces County, they have some excellent top-end yield production potential there. I would say that there's going to be still uh, some 5,000-pound grain in many of these fields, and some of this narrow-row grain under uh, higher management could surpass that. All right, thank you for that report, Harvey. And we thank you, Tom. That is Harvey Buring reporting for us today from the Corpus Christi area. This week, the White House announced a task force focused on short-term supply chain disruptions. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack was named co-chair of the task force, along with the Secretaries of Commerce and Transportation. The Department of Agriculture says the task force will convene stakeholders to diagnose problems and find solutions that could help alleviate bottlenecks and supply constraints related to the economy's reopening. Specifically, it will focus on areas where a mismatch between supply and demand has been evident, including home building and construction, semiconductors, transportation, and agriculture and food. 
The White House also released key findings from a review stemming from a supply chain-focused executive order. The 100-day study focuses on semiconductors, batteries for electric vehicles, critical minerals, and materials in pharmaceuticals. The Interior Department and USDA, along with the Environmental Protection Agency, will also establish a working group. The group will identify sites where critical minerals could be produced and processed in the U.S. When should you give your horse electrolyte supplements and which ones should you use? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have those answers for us next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Finding the right electrolyte supplement for your horse can be complicated. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more. Walking into the feed store searching for electrolytes for your horse is like walking into HEB and trying to choose the best athletic drink with electrolytes. There are hundreds of choices in the stores and online, so let's look at the definition of electrolytes. Electrolytes are a specific group of minerals that carry an electrical charge when in a solution and include sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, and chloride. Dr. Amanda Bradbury indicated in the Remuda publication that supplementation should be considered anytime there is a suspected disturbance to normal hydration status, acid-base balance, or gastrointestinal function. Hydration is related to intensity of exercise and climate. An increasing exercise increases sweat losses and makes electrolyte supplementation more important. Equine sweat is packed with electrolytes, so a large amount of sweating leads to a large amount of electrolyte loss, especially in hot and humid climates. However, in cold climates, water consumption declines and can result in dehydration and impaction colic. And the supplementation of electrolytes, especially sodium or salt, stimulates thirst. So when choosing an electrolyte supplement, the first item on the ingredient list should be salt or sodium. Dextrose is sometimes first on the list and is not needed, so these products should not be used. The ratio of potassium, sodium, and chloride should be 1 to 2 to 4, and the ratio of calcium to magnesium should be 3 to 1. If salt is listed as sodium chloride and potassium chloride, this ratio should be 2 to 1. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. It is National Fishing and Boating Week, and if you plan to celebrate on the water, don't be surprised if you see a state game warden or other law enforcement official. Game Warden Captain Logan Griffin says game wardens patrol public waterways year-round to cut down on the number of water-related accidents and fatalities, and unfortunately, the number of both rose last year. With COVID, a lot of people flock to the waterways to enjoy, kind of get away from the stresses that we've all experienced over the last year. And we saw boat sales go through the roof. With that, we saw boat crashes, water-related fatalities, and boat accidents soaring. A lot of times, it's not that people don't care or don't think about it, but I like to think that they underestimate the dangers. 
everybody equates driving a boat and operating a boat just to like driving, right? Well, I've been driving since I've been 16. I think I've got this. When you think about it, there's really no lanes. There's no speed limits. Most people don't know, quote unquote, the rules of the waterways like they do the rules of the road. When you kind of mix all of that together and the kind of the concept that everybody's almost operating under the guise that there are no rules out there, unfortunately, it can lead to some really tragic events. And usually those tragedies are always punctuated by the idea that no one ever thought that it could happen to them. Unfortunately, officers and game wardens that have been working the waters long enough, they have some real personal reasons why water safety is so important to them. It's, it's just an initiative that we want to keep everybody safe on the roadways and the waterways so everybody can enjoy what Texas has to offer when it comes to that kind of stuff. There are things you should do to avoid a ticket from a law enforcement official and to avoid accidents and fatalities while on the water. Captain Griffin will join us for more on that on our next show. The U.S. Department of Agriculture released its monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report Thursday. What impact did that have on the markets? Well, we'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Department of Agriculture released its monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report Thursday, and that did impact the markets. Live cattle for August up 27 cents to 118.55. Live cattle for October up 22 cents to 124.20. By the way, that WASDE report says that beef production will be up about 5 million pounds for the year. Corn prices continue to weigh on feeder cattle futures. Despite that, feeder cattle closed higher Thursday. Feeder cattle for August up 12 cents to 148.40. Feeder cattle for September up 15 cents to 150.90. Feeder cattle for October up 20 cents to 153.12. Box beef prices were mixed Thursday. Choice down 47 cents to $338.18. Select up $4.27 to $312.14. Now let's check our livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to talk to Gary Butler about the sale he had in Nixon on Monday. Gary, how many noses did you count? Larry, we wind up with 649 head. We had 160 cows and 22 bulls. Two and three weight steers, $1.49 to two twenty. Heifers, $1.36 to $1.65. Three and four weight steers, $1.39 to $1.83. Heifers, $1.21 to $1.59. Four and five weight steers, $1.40 to $1.88. 
heifers a dollar twenty three to a dollar fifty five. Five and six weight steers a dollar thirty one to a dollar sixty five. Heifers a dollar fifteen to a dollar forty three. Six and seven weight steers a dollar twenty six to a dollar fifty seven. Heifers a dollar nine to a dollar thirty two. And seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings dollar fourteen to a dollar thirty six. And the heifers are ninety seven to forty three. Larry, we got eighty cents for uh, quite a few cows. Usually, you know, eighty cents might just get one cow, but a lot of cows bringing in the seventies and eighties. Uh, slaughter bulls eighty eight to a dollar eight. Uh, a lot of dollar bulls. Soccer cows four sixty to eleven hundred. We had a few pairs seven and a quarter fourteen sixty. Larry. What do you know for next week? Um, if we can get to them, I know there's 80 cows coming, probably out of the 80. Probably half of them will be younger on the younger end. The rest of them will be, uh, be packer cows. We're going to palpate some and pair some. Okay. That'll be about 40 kids on the deals. And most of the cattle will be black. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler, at Nixon Livestock. There you can catch us here at Sale Barn at 830-582-1561 or 62. Uh, catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330. I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host. Good day. Tight supplies of market-ready hogs and strong demand pushed some lean hog futures higher Thursday. Lean hogs for June up 50 cents to 122.45. Lean hogs for July down 17 cents to 121.32. Black cheese prices went up about $1.50 Thursday morning but didn't hold. That pushed Class 3 milk prices higher Thursday. Class 3 milk for June up 13 cents to 17.20 a hundredweight. Class 3 milk for July up 4 cents to 17.57 a hundredweight. That USDA report we mentioned earlier trimmed old crop carryout for cotton by about 150,000 bales. It also trimmed new crop ending stocks. As a result, cotton futures traded higher Thursday. Cotton for July up 74 points to 87.36. Cotton for October up 108 points to 89.26. Cotton for December up 87 points to 88.21. The WASDE forecast U.S. corn supplies will fall to an eight-year low of 1.1 billion bushels. That, plus a smaller-than-expected Brazilian corn crop, caused an increase in corn futures Thursday. Corn for July up eight and a quarter to six ninety nine. Corn for September up six and a quarter to six thirty eight and a quarter. Corn for December up six and three quarters to six sixteen and a half. Hard red wheat for September up five and a quarter to six forty eight and a half. Crude oil for July on Thursday closed twenty six cents higher to seventy twenty two. Crude oil for August closed up twenty three cents to seventy o two a barrel. Now let's take a look at the financial markets. The Dow up 63 points to 34,510. The S&P 500 up 20 points to 4,240. And the NASDAQ was up 103 points to 14,015. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.